As we look ahead into 2024, many people are wondering, when it comes to world events and Bible prophecy, what trends should we be watching? What evidence do we see that we're drawing closer than ever to the end times? That's our topic in this episode of Foreshadows Report. Welcome to Foreshadows Report a podcast that's all about keeping watch and finding hope as we grow in our understanding of Bible prophecy. This is Steve Miller. As we enter 2024, we do so with a very large shadow hanging over us from October 7, 2023. That's the day that Hamas carried out a brutal massacre against Israel. While the war in Gaza isn't specifically mentioned in Bible prophecy, it is definitely helping to set the stage for other events that do appear in Bible prophecy. And there is no question that the war is having a major impact, not only in the Middle East, but all over the world. So what should we be watching for as we enter a new year? As I share my thoughts, please know that these are not intended to be predictions. These are strictly observations. We don't want to impose any speculations upon what the Bible says will happen in the future. The Bible is our plumb line, and we want to honor that. Our purpose is simply to observe how world events happen to line up with what Scripture says. That's our goal in this episode. The closer we draw to the end times, the more we can expect prophetically significant events to take place. And there is a lot happening today that could fit, in one way or another, into the big picture of Earth's final day. Rather than try to cover all the possible bases, I'd like to focus on what appears to be the most pressing trends of all. These are at the forefront of all that's taking place, and they line up well with what scripture tells us about the end times. The first three trends I'll cover are all related. They have to do with Hamas's attack on Israel and Israel's response. That shouldn't surprise us, because the Bible says that Israel will be ground zero for the end times. A lot of what scripture teaches about the end times centers on Israel. There are Bible teachers who say that if you want to know how close we are to the end time, just look at what's happening in Israel and they are correct. The first trend is the growing normalization of anti-Semitism. That's the growing normalization of anti-Semitism. I'll start by saying that there is nothing new about anti-Semitism. It is correct to say that anti-Semitism is the world's longest hatred. Ever since Genesis 3.15, when God promised Adam and Eve that he would one day send a Savior who would defeat Satan, the devil has been determined to prevent that from ever happening. That's why all through the ages, Satan has hated Israel. He knew that the Savior would come through Israel. For this reason, Satan has always wanted to destroy Israel. Because if there is no Israel, then Bible prophecy cannot be fulfilled, and Satan cannot be defeated. But God is sovereign, and nothing was able to prevent Christ from going to the cross. Because of Christ's death and resurrection, 
victory has already been secured. So now Satan wants to do everything he can to prevent the second coming from happening. He knows that when Christ returns, his fate will be sealed. And Satan is deluded enough to think that if he can destroy Israel, then there will be no Israel for Christ to return to. Satan wants to prevent the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. But in the same way that he could not prevent Christ's first coming, he will not be able to prevent Christ's second coming. So ultimately, it is because Satan hates the nation that would bring Christ into the world that anti-Semitism has been a persistent problem through the ages. In the year leading up to the Holocaust, there were political leaders in Europe who made anti-Semitism acceptable. They did this gradually. In a news article from 2020, a Holocaust survivor said that the destruction of the Jews began with small steps that were tolerated. What began with banning Jews from sitting on benches evolved in incremental steps to ghettos and death camps. Ever since Hamas' attack against Israel on October 7th, we've seen an explosion of anti-Semitism all over the world. Massive protests have been carried out by students on college campuses. We're seeing anti-Semitism proliferate all over social media. And we're seeing it expressed at the highest levels of world leadership. The United Nations and many countries have condemned Israel for defending itself. Yet at the same time, they refuse to condemn the bloody massacre carried out by Hamas on October 7th. And for decades, they have refused to acknowledge all the terrorist acts committed by Palestinians against Israel. Hate crimes against Jewish people are on the rise as never before. Five weeks after the war began, the Times of Israel reported that anti-Semitic incidents on the European continent have increased tenfold. On October 30th, the Wall Street Journal ran an article with the headline, Wave of Anti-Semitism Has European Jews Wondering If They Will Ever Be Safe. The Anti-Defamation League reports that in the United States, anti-Semitic incidents have reached an all-time record. They've increased by nearly 340%. Ever since the war started, people have been very vocal about their criticism of Israel and the Jewish people. Many have said that Hamas did nothing wrong on October 7th when it murdered more than 1,200 Israelis and kidnapped another 250. What we're seeing today is the normalization of anti-Semitism. It's becoming more and more acceptable to express this hatred in public. People are no longer attempting to hide their contempt. They're being very outspoken about it. All over the world, those who are pro-Israel and those who are anti-Israel are becoming more polarized than ever. It's as if God is using this war to get people to declare where they stand. It's as if before we enter the end times, God is giving the world an exam based on Genesis 12.3. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. Because of the war that's going on right now, we are finding out which side people are on. And what's been shocking is how many of those who are anti-Israel refuse to acknowledge just how utterly evil Hamas was on October 7th. They either deny it or they say it was justified. This normalization of anti-Semitism lines up with what we read in Zechariah 12 about the end times. Verse 2 tells us that at the end of the tribulation, 
Jerusalem will become a cup of staggering to all the surrounding people. Verse 4 says, All the nations of the earth will gather for war in Jerusalem. Filled with hatred, they will gather to attack and destroy Israel. This passage describes a world in which anti-Semitism will be universal. Everyone will hate Israel. Then in verse 9, God tells us how it will all end. On that day, I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. The Israel-Hamas war has led large numbers of people to become more vocal about their anti-Semitism. They are no longer ashamed. They are no longer hiding how they feel. We are seeing this hatred become normalized and accepted. And based on what scripture says, it will get worse. The second trend is Turkey's increasing alignment with Russia and Iran. For more than 20 years, Russia and Iran have had strong diplomatic relations, and they've also had very close military ties. In fact, Iran is now Russia's closest military ally. Iran has built drones for Russia to use against Ukraine, and for many years, Russia has sold advanced military hardware to Iran. Just last month, Iran finalized arrangements to buy fighter jets and helicopters from Russia. The reason this is significant is because of a prophecy that appears in Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39. There we read about a coalition of nations that at some point in the future will attack Israel from the north. In Ezekiel 38 verses 2 through 6, we're given a list of the nations that will take part in this invasion. The list includes Russia, Iran, Turkey, the republics in southern Russia, Sudan, Algeria, Libya, and other Muslim nations. We shouldn't be surprised about Russia and Iran being on the list. They are very close allies. But up until recent years, Turkey has been a bit of a weak link. One reason for that is because Turkey and Iran have been on opposite sides of the civil war in Syria. Another is that Turkey is a NATO country that has tried to maintain a superficially good relationship with Europe and the U.S. Russia and Iran both have a long history of being enemies with the West, but not Turkey. It has tried to benefit from relations with both the West and the East at the same time. But lately we've seen Turkey turning away from the West, and now it is strengthening its ties with the East. Turkey has already built strong relations with Russia, and it is now starting to set aside its differences with Iran. Most alarming of all is Turkey's about-face with Israel. Just four months ago, Turkey was on friendly terms with Israel. Turkey was eager to work together with Israel to build a natural gas pipeline that would send Israeli gas through Turkey to Europe. For Israel to send its natural gas through Turkey would be a huge economic benefit for Turkey. So the president of Turkey was on friendly terms with Israel. And as recently as September 2023, the two countries were talking about developing closer economic ties. But all of that has changed since the war. Three weeks after Hamas' attack on Israel, the president of Turkey gave a speech in which he said Israel's defensive war against Hamas is one of the bloodiest, most disgusting, and most savage attacks in history. He accused Israel of abusing Turkey's goodwill, and he has called Israel a terror state. 
He claims that Hamas is not a terrorist organization, and he has canceled all plans for Turkey to work together with Israel. The rhetoric has gotten so bad that Israel found it necessary to remove all its diplomats from Turkey. Ever since October 7th, Turkey has been burning its bridges with Israel, and it's looking like that divide will become permanent. Iran has always viewed Israel as an enemy, and now that Turkey is treating Israel as an enemy, that gives Iran and Turkey something in common. This fits with what Ezekiel 38 says about Russia, Iran, and Turkey all being part of the alliance that attacks Israel someday. We are now seeing Turkey move more and more in the direction of an alliance with Russia and Iran. One reason Turkey's change of heart is so significant is that Turkey has a huge military. From a numbers standpoint, Turkey is said to have the largest army in the Middle East, while Israel has the most powerful and the most advanced fighting force. When it comes to size, Turkey is larger. Turkey has already been on good terms with Russia, and now it is working on its relationship with Iran. Every time we see a report in the news about meetings between the leaders of Russia, Iran, and Turkey, we should pay close attention. It means that the alliance between the three nations is growing stronger. All of this relationship building is setting the stage for the Ezekiel 38-39 war. And the fact that Russia, Iran, and Turkey all have enormous military firepower fits with what Bible prophecy says about this being an attack of overwhelming proportions. The third trend is the escalating military threat all along Israel's northern border. In previous podcasts, I've described Israel as being surrounded by a ring of fire. It is largely surrounded by enemies who want to destroy the Jewish nation, and the hottest part of that ring of fire is to Israel's north. Straight north we have Lebanon, which is a nation in crisis. For more than a year, Lebanon has had no president. The government is weak, and the economy is in shambles. The poverty is absolutely crushing. All of this has made it easier for Iran to take advantage of Lebanon and to build a massive terrorist presence there. Lebanon is home to Hezbollah, which is considered the most powerful terrorist army in the world. Iran's support to Hezbollah is an estimated 700 million per year. Iran has helped Hezbollah to build an arsenal of 150,000 or more rockets, all aimed at Israel. There is a strategy behind all this. Iran doesn't want to get its hands dirty by attacking Israel directly, so it uses Hezbollah as a terrorist proxy. Even though Iran is more than 1,000 miles away from Israel, through Hezbollah, Iran is right on Israel's border, and it is a very serious threat. But in the northeast is Syria, which is also a puppet of Iran. There's been a civil war going on in Syria since 2011, and the only reason that dictator Bashar al-Assad is still in control is because of the help he has received from Iran and Russia. Al-Assad has even allowed Iran and Russia to establish military bases in Syria. This means both Russia and Iran can put fighter jets and other serious military equipment in bases that are just a short distance from Syria's border with Israel. 
apart from Iran, Syria has been one of Israel's fiercest enemies. It has been in a state of war with Israel since 1948, and it refuses to recognize Israel as a nation. Because Lebanon and Syria are both puppets of Iran, and because Russia also has a major presence in Syria, I believe we can call Israel's northern border the gateway to the Ezekiel 38 and 39 war. It is across these borders that the attack will be made against Israel. This is why Israel has found it so necessary to carry out airstrikes in both Lebanon and Syria. Iran has been shipping large numbers of weapons into these two countries, and Israel is pushing back against a massive weapons buildup. Anytime we hear about Israeli airstrikes in Lebanon and Syria, it's because Israel is destroying weapons that were sent by Iran. During 2024, then, we should keep an eye on developments in Lebanon and Syria, which again will serve as the gateway for the Ezekiel 38 and 39 war. The fourth trend is the rapid adoption of central bank digital currencies worldwide. That's the rapid adoption of central bank digital currencies, or CBDCs. Very simply, a central bank digital currency is electronic money that is created and handled by government banks. The idea is to eliminate all cash, all checks, all other forms of financial transactions, and to make them electronic. And they would go through each country's central bank, which is controlled by the government. The way it works is that every person would be issued a digital wallet, and every time you get a paycheck or carry out a financial transaction, it would go through your digital wallet, which is supervised by a government bank. And because the government will be able to open and close your wallet, it will be able to accept or reject your financial transaction. This is exactly the kind of power we read about in Revelation 13, 17. There, we read that when the Antichrist is in power, no one will be able to buy or sell unless he has the mark. Keep in mind that the purpose of the mark of the beast will be to show that someone is loyal to the Antichrist, but it's not the mark itself that will inherently control people's access to their money. It's central banks that will open or close people's wallets. It's the government will decide whether people can use their money or not. The government will be able to do all of this remotely, in real time. This is exactly what we see happening in China now, with its social credit system. China is now transitioning its entire population toward using a central bank digital currency, and this will give the Chinese government the ability to be more authoritarian than ever. Right now, there are more than 130 countries in various stages of developing central bank digital currencies. And here's the scary part. Back in September 2023, when the leaders of the G20, or the Group of 20, met, the managing director of the International Monetary Fund recommended that all nations work together to create a comprehensive policy network. In other words, the International Monetary Fund is saying that a uniform template should be created so that all the different digital currencies around the world can work together in a global manner. You may wonder, well, 
Why is this so important? Because a government that is able to control how you use your money will also be able to control everything you do. Either you comply with all the government's expectations and demands, or they will close your digital wallet. This digital currency revolution is happening very quickly. 11 nations have already launched a digital currency. 21 others are in the pilot stage. 19 of the G20 countries are now in the advanced stage. All of this is happening very quietly. People aren't really paying attention to what's happening. At first, different countries will have their own central bank digital currency. But because we live in such an interconnected world, eventually, governments will say it makes sense to plug all these networks into a global system, and that will make it possible for a dictator to exercise unprecedented authority over everyone on Earth. Now keep in mind that the Antichrist's ability to control buying and selling will happen during the tribulation. And because the church will be raptured before the tribulation, we who are Christians aren't likely to see how all this plays out. The technology will still be evolving when we're raptured. But the fact that technology is being tested by so many countries can be a clue that we are getting close to the end times. The fifth trend is the diminishing number of strong leaders in this world. We are seeing a serious shortage of strong leaders in both countries and organizations. It used to be there were prominent and widely respected leaders in many places. Not anymore. The world is experiencing a glut of weak leadership. Now you may ask, how does that tie into what Bible prophecy says about the end times? Consider this. Scripture tells us the Antichrist will rise to power quickly. He will start out at the beginning of the tribulation, and just three and a half years later, by the middle of the tribulation, he will rule the world. He will go from zero to global dictator in a short span of time. How will that be possible? I believe a major factor is that there are so few strong leaders remaining in the world. There are too many leaders who are weak for a variety of reasons. Either they are inadequate for the job, or they are too compromising, or they neglect the more difficult parts of their job, and therefore they hurt their country. As the world falls apart and gets worse, people will want leaders who can fix things. They will want strong leaders. And out of desperation, they will be willing to give them the power that's needed to fix the world's problem. Can you see how this would make things easier for the Antichrist? While I can't point to a prophecy that says there will be a lack of strong leaders as we approach the end times, the likelihood that this will happen is implied by the fact that the Antichrist will become powerful so quickly. It's very possible that a lack of strong leaders will create a vacuum that is easy for the Antichrist to step into. It won't be hard for him to demand the authority he needs to bring about solutions. He will do this with charm, with deception, and with promises of peace. Notice how the first seal judgment in Revelation 6-1 describes a rider on a white horse who will have a bow, and he came out conquering and to conquer. This describes the Antichrist. He will come with a bow, but no arrows. This implies he will conquer with promises of peace. Daniel 9.27 tells us that one of the peace treaties that he establishes 
will be a strong covenant with Israel for seven years. The fact this is a strong covenant most likely means the treaty will be enforced with an iron fist. Think about this as well. The world has longed for peace in the Middle East, and the Antichrist is the one who will bring it. He will do something no one else has been able to do, and people will think he is so great that it will be easy for him to grow in power. When the Antichrist comes on the scene, I don't think he will have much competition. There will be so many weak leaders around the world that he will be able to push them aside. That may explain how he becomes powerful so quickly. As we look at the political scene all around the world today, we cannot help but notice that in most countries, there is a lack of strong leaders. Unfortunately, for the most part, the small number of leaders today who possess commanding authority happen to be those who run totalitarian governments. Their power comes from tyranny. By contrast, when you look at the democracies around the world, there's a lack of strong leaders, and that could play a role in helping the Antichrist to rise swiftly. According to Bloomberg News, there are 40 national elections taking place in 2024. Those elections will affect 41% of the world's population, or nearly half. At the same time, people are more divided than ever politically. So the potential for strife and chaos is great. With so many national elections going on, it's possible the world will see a lot more instability and uncertainty during 2024. So those are the five trends I believe are worth watching. The growing normalization of anti-Semitism. Turkey's increasing alignment with Russia and Iran. The escalating military threat all along Israel's northern border. The rapid adoption of central bank digital currencies worldwide. And the diminishing number of strong leaders in this world. Again, these are not predictions. They are observations based on what Bible prophecy seems to indicate we can expect as we draw closer to the end time. The fact we're seeing so much prophetically significant activity today should not worry us or discourage us. If anything, it should encourage us. We should take joy in knowing that Christ's return is nearer than ever. Time is running out for this fallen world, and that is a good thing. When Christ returns, he will do so to set up a kingdom of righteousness, justice, and peace. Everything we read about his future kingdom speaks of it as a glorious place to be. No longer will this world suffer under the rule of sinful and imperfect leaders. Instead, it will flourish under the rule of a perfect and benevolent Savior and King. We have so much to look forward to. Three times in the final chapter of the book of Revelation, Jesus said he is coming soon. The Apostle John responded with such great excitement that he said, Amen, come Lord Jesus. He was thrilled by Christ's promise to come again, and we should be thrilled too. May we be faithful to keep watch and find hope. Thank you for joining me for Foreshadows Report. I hope you have found this episode both informative and encouraging. If you found yourself benefiting from these podcasts, 
I hope you'll invite others to listen to Foresighters Report as well. As we enter into 2024, we'll be covering a lot of exciting new topics related to Bible prophecy. In this episode, I talked about five current trends, but there are many more clues we're seeing today that indicate Christ's return is nearer than ever. That's the subject of my book, Foreshadows. In it, I look at 12 major clues. The rise of globalism, the trend toward a one-world government, the struggle to build a united European empire, the spread of all invasive technology and surveillance, the progression to a one-world economy, the descent into moral and spiritual corruption, the proliferation of deception, the assault on truth, the increase of Christian persecution, the explosion of hostility toward Israel and the Jewish people, the preparations for a new temple in Jerusalem, and the forming of a coalition to destroy Israel. All of these are covered within the pages of Foreshadow. If you've wanted to learn more about any of these topics, and you'd like to find out more about the book, you can go to my website, themillerresources.com. That's themillerresources.com. Thank you again for joining me for this episode. And I want to give a heartfelt thank you to Harvest House Publishers for supporting this podcast so enthusiastically.